Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast by Purple Row, the Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I am your host, Skylar Timmons, using my Chris Pratt Mario voice, and joined here by just one other homie, my other Super Mario brother, Charlie Day, voiced by Evan Lang. I legitimately really like the casting of Charlie Day's Luigi, I think is one of the better casting choices of the movie. (laughs) It's perfect, or... Keegan Michael Key is Toad and just doing all that screechy shrill voice. It's going to be fantastic. He is good at that. Fun stuff. Yes, he is. I just can't wait to hear Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. (laughs) 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 And then say something about bananas. But as you can tell, it's just the two of us today. Uh, Evan or Evan is here. Mac couldn't join us. Uh, for other reasons so we just can't have him for this week but hopefully we'll get him back in action for next week we're just gonna have our two-man action here and evan it's finally over we've gone through the long journey long time suffering journey and the 2022 regular season for the rockies is finally over yeah it's some would say mercifully it's finally over it's Frodo at the top of Mount Doom as the Eagles are coming to get him going, it's over, it's done. Only the Eagles are picking him up and just throwing him back into the volcano. <laughs> just dump him straight back in. No gray havens for you. <laughs> they know what Frodo tried to do at the end. Because he was legit and he was going to keep that ring for himself. Anywho, but uh, how are we feeling? No, Season's been over for a couple of days now as we're recording here on Friday. Postseason has started these wild card series. Uh, those are getting underway. How are you feeling now that you know, the season's season's over? We can kind of decompress a little bit here. How are you feeling? Like as much as I complain, and I do complain because this was this was a rough season. This was incredibly frustrating. There wasn't a whole lot of fun to it. It was it was rough. But we ended up making it through the season. And I know that despite it all, I am going to miss this stupid, frustrating baseball team for 174 days until we are back in in March, kicking off the season against the Padres on March 30th. But it was this was a hard season to watch. And as a guy who generally watches all 162 games or tries to catch as many of them as I can, 
because I love baseball and I love watching Rockies baseball, there was not a whole lot of fun to be had. It was incredibly frustrating. It was, even though we didn't finish with the worst record in team history, it was some of the worst Rockies baseball I think fans have have had to sit through. And oh, yeah. we've talked about the the growing apathy with the bad performances. And I think there is a huge onus on the team for next year to improve because it's the team's 30th anniversary. And and like we've mm-hmm. discussed before, in 29 years of Rockies baseball, they've had 21 losing seasons. And, you mm-hmm. know, we it's another losing season again this year. We finished the season with a record of 68 and 94. It's tied for the fifth worst win percentage in team history with 2015 and 2014. And tied for the fourth worst record in franchise history with 2015 and 2004, which, wow, just both super memorable Rockies teams, especially that 2004 team with Desi Relaford. (laughs) Yeah, and I think we've talked about this a ton on this podcast and our Slack channels, and you see it on the, you know, on on Twitter and everything. And my rock pile a couple weeks ago was kind of me venting about that sort of thing where it's titled it's hard being a Rockies fan something like that where it is a thing this year was tough and kind of the toughest it's been really for me since 2012 when I that's when I remember it the most and you know about our adventures talking about 2012 last week that were so fun but that general apathy and where this season I, I didn't blame people that you know were growing apathetic and like didn't want to watch you know, or kind of consume Rocky stuff. I really don't blame them because they're not missing much. Yeah. It's uh, like it's kind of last night when everybody was walking out of the Broncos game before overtime with the nine, exactly. you cannot blame them for heading to their cars. And that is <laughs> very much like what this Rocky season was. And when you're drawing comparisons to 2012, the worst season in franchise history, one of the most miserable seasons in franchise history, you know you didn't do a good job mm-hmm. and that, that's the rough part and so no they managed to avoid 100 losses whoopee but you look around the league especially now as we're getting into playoffs and we'll talk about mlb and everything in the later half of this show but no, you look at the baltimore orioles look how fun their season ended up being especially down the stretch in like the last couple of months the Seattle Mariners, you know, these te- two teams, Mariners, haven't been to the playoffs for decades. You know, the the Orioles have kind of been the bottom feeder for many years. And all of a sudden, things started to click together finally over the years. Mariners are in the playoffs. Orioles were contending for the playoffs down the stretch. And look how fun it is for them. And then you look at the Rockies and you're like, oh, no. We finished with a worse record than the Orioles. And the Orioles, like you said, were a lot of fun to watch this year, especially after Audley Rushman made his debut, where they mm-hmm. were just a really fun, really young team playing competitive baseball, which nobody expected them to do, down to the very end. And I, I tweeted it out when the when the Mariners finally clinched um, last week that the Orioles deserve incredible praise for their season. And, and congratulations as a whole for playing a really good season of, of fun baseball and playing meaningful baseball till pretty much the very end of the season versus with mm-hmm. our Colorado Rockies. Well, we can technically say that they played October baseball. That's about <laughs> all we got. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing too with this team is you know, playing meaningful games in September, get, having like, the longevity of an entire season feeling meaningful where the Rockies ended the season 43 games out of first place. That's the furthest back they've ever been in franchise history of first place in the division, which then is just a testament to how far we've fallen and how just incredible teams like the Dodgers, the Dodgers are right now. And it's hard to compete. So they have to figure out, well, what can we do? Cause Look over at the Orioles. They're in a tough division. They have to deal with the Yankees, the Tampa Bay Rays, the the Toronto Blue Jays, the Red Sox from time to time. 
and, and they're able to compete and they were sniffing that third wild card spot. Meanwhile, we're comfortably done by basically the trade deadline. So that's like yeah. two months of just meaningless baseball that's being played for us. At the end of July, it was pretty much already set that this team was was dead in the water. And that's, you know, you still have two, two and a half months left to play after that. And in a sport like baseball, where the season is so long, you need that kind of competitiveness, at least later on into the year, to say, hey, at least we were pushing for it. This Rockies team was realistically never pushing for it. This was this mm-hmm. was not a good team where d- it, there are some positives to say, like, we actually finished with the best record against the Dodgers of any other team in the NL West. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, we finished with winning records against the Diamondbacks and the Padres as well. Uh, the Giants, as always, kind of thumped us, They as they tend to do. But overall, there wasn't really much to celebrate about this Rockies team. And it says a lot that it took us until the very end of the season when all the rookies were playing to finally be having at least a little more fun with it so you could watch these rookies play. You know, Sean Bouchard, Ezekiel Tovar, Michael Todlia, finally getting that regular playing time. Uh And then they go out and do something weird at the end of the season during that (laughs) final six-game series against the Dodgers, where they became the, according to one stat, first team in Major League Baseball history to win back-to-back games against a team with 110-plus wins entering the game. And they take three in a row against the Dodgers in the middle of that series. And I think um, it. it was Al Yellen over at Bleed Cubbies Blue I was talking with about this, and he said there's been something like only 20 or 30 games played against teams with 110 or more wins. Mm-hmm. So it's just this team is so weird. <laughs> exactly. It was, it was totally unexpected because we had very low expectations going into that that Dodger series where I think all of us were predicting maybe one win. The Rockies were riding a seven or eight game losing streak. And then all of a sudden they rattle rattle off three straight wins against the Dodgers. And you're just like, wait, what? What happened <laughs> on the road? on the road at Dodger stadium, a venue where they don't particularly play well and hitting home runs. (laughs) Yeah. All of a sudden people are hitting home runs. We had a a decent amount of home runs that season. Ryan McMahon finally reached 20 home runs. Randall Gritchick made it up to just one short of 20. And then of course, after that, those three straight wins against the Dodgers, we got just bum rushed in the final game of the season. (laughs) Yeah, it's that, that epitomizes the entire season we're talking about where it's just so weird. They'll be on like the right side of history doing something incredible. And then the next second getting just blown out. And we talked about last season or last week about how this season blowouts were sort of the name of the game where the Rockies lost 29 total games by five or more runs this season if you include that final game against the Dodgers game 162 with the 6-1 loss that's that's not a record that you want to have and you combine that with the overall losing record and the overall feel of the team and it just it was a tough season and there were so many different things wrong with this team defensively poor the pitching was poor the offense was poor uh, for the second time in franchise history, this team has gone back-to-back seasons without hitting, without a player hitting 30 home runs or more. And that, again, we have that comparison with that 2012 team, that worst team in Rockies history, where from 2012 to 2014, they had multiple seasons without having a player hit 30 or more home runs. And now we've got back-to-back seasons without a player hitting 30 or more home runs. And CJ Crone. He came close, and we predicted earlier that we didn't think he was going to make it, and then all of a sudden he started rattling off some home runs, and we thought, okay, maybe he's going to make it, and then he cooled off again and ends the season with 29. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is a year where it felt like 
kind of reminiscent of that 2012 season where everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Where, like you mentioned, defense at some point just became awful. At times where the hit, hitting would be good, pitching was terrible. When pitching was really good, hitting would be terrible. You know, struggling on the road, the power is gone. All these things, injuries stacking up. And guys not performing the way you, you hoped that they would. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And it results in a team that ends up comfortably in last place in their division. One of the worst records in team history. Uh, they're in that top, that bottom five now. All these different aspects lead to a very disappointing year where hopefully a lot of these guys can then enter the offseason and hopefully get the organization to look inward. I'm like, okay, what what do we need to fix and how can we go about it? Because this kind of leads into this next thing we can talk about uh, is that I, you, I think some of the frustrations from these players are coming out where there are you know, comments from guys like Kyle Freeland, who is turning into one of those vocal leaders in that clubhouse, the hometown kid. You know, he arguably was one of the better pitchers, was the best pitcher throughout the entire season this year overall all by season's end. He's getting a little bit vocal in some of his comments with the media and talking about how some things need to change with the Rockies. Yeah, definitely. And to set it up with a little bit of context here, so Kyle Freeland made his final start of the season on Saturday, October 1st, and he pitched extremely well. In 5.2 innings, he gave up just one earned run and tied a season high for him with eight strikeouts. He did walk three and give up seven hits, but he kept that damage to a minimum. And it was very odd because Bud Black pulled him with one out to go in the sixth inning, and and so he couldn't get that quality start. But Justin Lawrence came in, struck out the one batter he faced, and finished the inning. And the Rockies had a four-to-one lead going into the seventh inning and what followed after that was maybe one of the most ridiculous frustrating infuriating collapses i've ever seen where again four to one lead kyle freeland is coming off a fabulous final outing of the season denelson lamette comes in for the seventh inning walks trey turner walks freddie freeman walks trace thompson all right, it's not working. They pull Lamette, and the rookie Chad Smith goes in. Chad Smith then walks in back-to-back runs. So now it's four to three. Well, this isn't good. Can we can we get an out? And we do get an out in a Cody Bellinger sacrifice fly that ties the game. And then Chad Smith walks another batter after that. So six walks in one inning, no hits, and the and the Dodgers tied up the game against the Rockies. Uh, I think it was the first time in since what, 2007, something like that. It's been, it had been a long, long time since the Rockies had ever walked five in a row. And it's only the second time in franchise history. And they did that. And this was the most walks with six walks of any major league baseball team this year, given up in one inning. So now with, with just that one out, Chad Smith is out and you bring in the rookie Gavin Hollowell who has had his ups and downs in his major league career so far he's had that he had like four appearances and he had never pitched above double a before he strikes out Gavin Lux great and then gets a ground out against Mookie Betts inning over thank you Gavin Hollowell then Hollowell is left in for the next inning and immediately it just goes off the rails again single single walk sack fly single now the Rockies are losing six to four, which would be the final score. So you had Kyle Freeland with the decision with a great start and it vanishes in two innings. And it's not good. I just, I don't know what to say about that. How completely unacceptable that was. And, and Kyle Freeland was really, really upset about it too after the game. And I do not blame him. And he told Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post after the game about about these woes on the road and how unacceptable this is. He says, and I quote, it hasn't been acceptable all year. 
we haven't won it all on the road this year. It's been kind of the same story over the past four years. It's got to change. It's got to change within us. It's got to change within our organization. So he is publicly calling out to the media, the Rockies organization for the last four years of misery, specifically for this year and, and calling for change within the organization. And I can't blame him because Kyle Freeland was one of the few like solid rotation pitchers on the Rockies this year. He was the only rotation pitcher with an ERA under five. And he's out here now calling out the organization because of how frustrating it's been. Mm -hmm. And you can think with Kyle Freeland, you know, this is a guy who his whole life has been a Rockies fan and has been able to watch this team for years and years he knows the problems the Rockies have had he knows how the organizations run um, and everything he's he's seen those signs over the years and I love this other quote that he has that Thomas Harding quoted where there needs to be somewhat of a culture change of how we go about our day-to-day business where losing cannot be okay in everyone's mind it can't be okay and so like it's it's that thing where it's nice to see some of these guys that are frustrated. They know they're as frustrated as we are as fans. You know, and I think that's something we've can point to all season. I've never blamed the players this season. Yeah, there's been some that haven't performed well, but for the most part, they're not playing within an organization that's giving them the best tools to compete, to get better, to be the best they can be. There's really the problems come from up top and then they trickle down where a lot of the guys on this team had good years, a lot struggled, and they remained struggling because they didn't have a strong support of helping them figure out how to overcome those struggles. It's just got to play better, try and do it, play better, and that doesn't work. You know, you can't just go out and tell somebody, hey, you're doing this wrong, now do it right, and then not give them any direction. So it's nice to see leaders like Kyle Freeland is vocal, he loves his team, local kid, for him to come out and say things like that, you know, it's good. These players, you know, they need to use their voice a little more you know, as a unit. It can't just be one guy. It's got to be collectively as a group. They got to band together and be like, yeah, we, we got to change some things. We got to figure this out. You know, maybe put a little pressure on Bill Schmidt. You know, get, be, get Bud Black on their side and like all of them talking to the front office like, hey, we need to change some things. Here are our ideas or things we'd like to see changed. And I really like that this is coming, especially from Kyle Freeland, because we extended him, of course, this offseason. And so the expectation is he's here for the long term. And while he did not have a, a great season, he had a season on par with his last few solid seasons. He pitched the most innings he's pitched since 2018. He had a solid ERA, not great, but four, five, three. That's about in line with everything he's been putting up in his, his better seasons outside of that 2018, where he was a Cy Young candidate. And he pitched the most starts that he had done since 2018. So it was, it was a good season for Freeland. It was a long and healthy and solid season. And you extend him with the knowledge that he's going to be here for the long term and the expectation of then he's going to develop into a leader in this clubhouse. And that's exactly what he's done. You look at this young kid that, that busted into the league a couple of years ago, and now he's, he's pitched six seasons, six full seasons of Major League Baseball. I'm not counting 2020, I guess. So five and a half, if you're going to be picky. And really mm-hmm. developed from this this local kid to a a vocal leader who really cares about this team, really cares about this franchise and where it's going. And it takes guts to call out your organization like that when it comes from a place of, I think, general love and respect for the organization. Because I don't think this is quite the same as when we had Nolan Arenado calling out the organization publicly or Troy Tulowitzki mm-hmm. calling out the organization publicly where both of them had been burned and both of them were, you know, 
Tulowitzki had just been traded. Arenado was was actively trying to get off the team. Kyle, you don't really get that same vibe that he feels like he's burned or that he wants out. What he wants is he wants better for this organization, for him, for the fans, for his teammates. And it comes from a culture change and it comes from an organizational change. And being a vocal veteran leader like that, that's what you have to do. You maybe have to call out the organization like that. And so I'm really, I'm really proud of Kyle. I think this was, was a big move for him. Yeah. And a lot of these guys take that leadership, share their opinions. Another thing Ryan McMahon said, he's had a tough year. You know, in a lot of aspects, he's been good these last two months here, finding his power. He says it's an attitude change. The culture is good. We have the right people. But I think we little need a little more edge toward the other team. It's not just go out there and play baseball. And then Kyle Freeland adds, close out this article by Thomas Harding. It says there are conversations that need to be had and will be had of how we go about day-to-day stuff and how we need to mentally be prepared every single game. It's about, hey, this is truly what we want to do and everyone has to be bought in. So it's it's finding that team unity. You know, I do like what McMahon says, play with a little more edge toward the other team. You know, you think the Rockies, they really don't have a rivalry with anybody. No, they just kind of go out there and compete. And maybe they have their own personal personal <laughs> uh, rivalry. But I don't know if there's any team out there in baseball right now that looks at the Rockies and thinks, oh man, I hate facing these guys. Uh, it's always going to be a tough battle every time. And instead, it's, oh, we're just going to go and play the Rockies. Oh, this is a nice place. Yeah. There's nobody who who looks at the Rockies as as a threat. And I think we've earned that they look, stance towards us yeah. over the last four years. They look at the ballpark, the they look at the place we play as more of a threat than the actual team that they're playing there. Which is a shame because we had some really really solid contributors this year and their performances get drowned out by the overall performance of the team as a whole, the reputation of a team as a whole, like Daniel Bard should have been an all-star this year. Daniel Bard finishes one of the best closers in baseball with an ERA of 179 and 57 appearances. That's really, really good, but nobody really talks about it. And if you talk about the Rockies, he's not what comes up. What comes up is that the Rockies are a bad baseball team. Mm-hmm. I would love just once to turn on MLB Network, MLB Central or something, and have them just kind of sit down and really dig through, like, this is what's wrong with the Rockies right now. Or, you know, here's some guys that had really, really good years. You know, I just wish we could hear about the Rockies more. But the only way they do that is if they're playing good. That's the only time you talk about them. Or if they're embarrassing themselves in the national media. Yeah. Or they just happen to be in a highlight for somebody else hitting a big home run or something. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, but at least the 2022 season is over for us. And we can look forward to an off season of probably more of the same. Anyways, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll finish up some final thoughts with the Rockies and then we're going to talk some MLB we haven't really done that this year but postseason underway all kinds of cool stuff happening in baseball we'll talk about it so don't go anywhere why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with Royal Caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America you don't just go for a road trip you ATV and zip line through the jungle You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back here to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us through that break. Uh, We've talked about Rockies baseball. And some we haven't done as much this season. We're actually going to talk about a lot of MLB talk. Because, Evan, I don't know if you know, but these last couple of weeks, final weeks of the season, there was a lot of notable things happening that uh, that are worthy of some conversation. Yeah, there's been a lot of hubbub. Indeed. I, I guess, like some notable historic things. I don't know. But 
before we get into that, one last thing we wanted to touch on here, uh, the MLB draft lottery odds are set for 2023. And this is brand new. This is as part of the CBA negotiations. They instituted a draft lottery, first time in baseball, where the first six picks will be decided by the draft lottery. And so all 18 non-playoff teams will have that chance for the number one pick, really, or to get into those, get up in there. So here's how it goes. The top three teams, Nationals, A's, Pirates, they all have the same odds, 16.5% to get that number one pick. Then it goes Pirates, Reds, or it goes Reds, Royals, Tigers, Rangers, Rockies are in at number eight, and they have a 3.90% chance for the number one draft pick in their odds. Uh, what are your thoughts here on the 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 draft lottery? Are you excited about it? Do you like how it's instituted now? I'm totally okay with the draft lottery. There was some hubbub about it um, when it was first instituted as part of that CBA, but the the realistic goal of the draft lottery is to keep teams from outright tanking for draft picks or for the number one overall pick. And the fact that it can give some of the other, you know, bottom feeder teams the chance to get that number one pick instead. If the Rockies get it, you know, the odds are, of course, low, but it would be interesting to see who we could get with that number one pick because I don't think the have the Rockies ever actually had the number one pick in all of baseball. Oh. I don't think they have. It's like, I think maybe like number three is the highest it's ever been or two. I think three is highest it's ever been with John Gray or Brandon Rogers, whoever they picked. So that could be really interesting to see, see where we land. I think the unfortunate aspect of it is of course that the Rockies are once again, finishing the season, having earned a top 10 draft pick, which is, mm-hmm. you know, very frustrating, but at least we have some odds that this could bear fruit of becoming the first overall draft pick. And it probably won't because those odds are, are pretty small, but they're at least there. And I do think that the Rockies draft fairly well. It's the, it's the development side of things where we need to make sure things are, are working out. I really like a lot of the Rockies 2021 draft class or 2022 draft class rather. Um, Sterling Thompson and Gabriel Hughes and Mike Concho all I think are really good picks. And so I'm interested to see what the Rockies do here with once again, a top 10 draft pick, but also some odds of getting a number one overall pick. And if we do get that first overall pick, I would be really interested to see where the Rockies go with that. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting because I think the Rockies will pick no later than 12th with just the way the draft works. After those six spots are filled up or decided, then it runs in inverse order, like regular draft that's always been. So Rockies, I think, will pick no later than 12th. So there's some leeway in there. They're still roughly in that top 10, top 12, which hopefully they're getting better at drafting. No, people who seem to be having nice things to say about drafting. The development part, on the other hand, is another story, but this should be interesting to see. And I think there was a bunch of those other stipulations where a team couldn't be like whatever with get those top draft picks like multiple years in a row or something like that. Yeah. To, you to cannot have the number one overall pick uh, two years in a row. Yeah. So. Hopefully, and the fun little wrinkle is that the Rangers and the Rockies ended with the same record. The reason the Rangers are ahead of them is because based on last year, last year's record in 2021, the Rangers had a worse record than the Rockies did. Rangers were at 60 and 102 in 2021. Rockies were 74 and 87. So if you're we're wondering why the Rockies are picking after the Rangers or listed after the Rangers in the odds. That's why, uh, which is a big difference because the Rangers then have a five and a half percent chance and the Rockies are down to 3.9%. Man, talk about Everyone a disappointing can. season though. 
we're disappointed with how the Rockies did, but oh boy, with how the Rangers did. The Rangers, after spending all of that money in the offseason last year, finishing with the same 68 and 94 record that the Rockies did. That's <laughs> uh that's rough. Though they did finish with far more uh team wins above replacement than the Rockies did. Um yeah. What a bummer though. But hey, there's plenty of excitement still around the Rangers. At least they tried. And they also play in a very, very tough division. They did. They yeah, had some really good rookie performances. Um, Marcus Semyon, after slumping really hard to start the season, a la Brendan Rogers, really, really pulled it out, um, in especially in the second half of the season. Uh, really solid pitching staff led by Martin Perez and former Rocky John Gray, who had a really, really solid right. season, though of course had some injuries uh he finished with an era under four over 24 starts that's nothing to cough at yeah Corey seager had a career high in home runs this season so Uh, at garcia was also really good like they they have some good pieces there i think next year we'll have to see how they do but this was definitely a, a disappointing year for that that rangers squad after all that money they spent yeah but Hopefully, after all those guys, you know, they fill in after this one season. They know each other now. They're more comfortable. And then next year, season, they can hit the ground running. But so those are, those are the draft odds. Uh, that'll be something fun to look at at some point, probably during the winter meetings. I think in December, they'll have the, you know, the actual lottery thingy. Uh, yeah. But we'll see. But let's hop into some baseball, I guess, accomplishments here as those final weeks of the season all the talk was about home runs in those last couple of weeks of the season where oh, Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees soon to be a free agent in his career in a you know, contract year hit 62 home runs setting a new single season American League record for home runs beating out Roger Maris who set the record back in 1961 with 61 home runs for the American League. Judge finally gets it done. Last couple of games of the season. Finally hits number 62. The second to last game of the season he hits it in Toronto. And big accomplishment. The fact the year he has had coming just a few points short of a triple crown in the batting average department. Aaron Judge had a phenomenal year, but the home run record really notable uh, and it's sparked some debate here hasn't it yeah real quick i'll touch on the i'll touch on the the triple crown what a he barely missed out on the batting average portion where um luis arias of the minnesota twins finished with 316 and judge finished with 311 and a huge part of that was him trying to get that home run record and just how many walks he drew in the last couple of weeks of the season of people not wanting to be the guy to give up that final uh, that final record-breaking home run. But Judge basically finished on top in every other offensive category. Top war, second to best batting average, best on base, best slugging, best OPS. He man what a what a season who at wherever he ends up next year he's going to command a ton of money rockies make it happen i want to see him demolish baseballs at course field <laughs> 81 games a year please but where the like you said the, the unfortunate controversy of of his record that kind of overshadows it because before any of that hitting 62 home runs and setting a yankees record and the american league record is still amazing. That is an incredible feat. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad that it's getting overshadowed by people arguing over the legitimacy of other home run records. Because, of course, you have you know, Barry Bonds who hit 73. And whether people are counting that or not because of the steroid usage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ahead of him. Because his record, it's you know, tops the American League, but it's like sixth or seventh all time because of Guys like Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, where Sammy Sosa has like 360 home run seasons and whatnot. And then there's, of course, Barry Bonds. And yeah, it's 
I was clear all these guys, PEDs, all that stuff. It still doesn't erase like it's still in fact, yes, those are what the books say. This is the you know, these are the home run records. Seventy three is the all time record. And, you know, Judge came close still. You know, he's within ten, roughly. And that's still a huge accomplishment. And so yeah, who it's not good those guys use steroids, but it's also an era of the game where we weren't doing anything about it in baseball. And so these guys were free reign to do whatever they wanted. And so it doesn't take away from what Aaron Judge has done at all. You know, like they say, he did this cleanly. That's a huge accomplishment. And it's, 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 it's a tough thing to argue. And there's been a lot of, you know, I think bad blood over people arguing over this because yes, Barry Bonds did use performance enhancing drugs and so did Sammy Sosa and so did Mark McGuire. And you do have to look at the era in which that happened where, and this is, this is going to be me getting into it a little bit, but this was the commissioner of baseball. Bud Selig was, you know, in the shadows, kind of encouraging that to, you know, quote unquote, save the game of baseball. And, and look what happened with that, with the, the 1998 home run race. And then when it was no longer beneficial to him is when Bud Selig, you know, turned around and really started cracking down on PEDs. So it's kind of a no-win scenario, no matter how you look at it, but you cannot let any of that overshadow just what an accomplishment Aaron judge did this year where he's also the uh, second youngest player in the, in the top seven for all of these home runs where Mm. the, the youngest would be when Sammy Sosa hit 66 in his age 29 season in 1998, Aaron judge is 30 this year and hit 62. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, if you ask Aaron Judge, he they asked him about it. He said, "Yeah, no, seventy three is the record. If he can accept that, and that's fine with him, everybody else really doesn't matter." Yeah, because it's more or less what Aaron Judge thinks. And you no, know, if he's like Roger Maris Jr. coming out like this is the real home run record, like that's a different discussion. But Aaron Judge being classy and kind of like, "Yeah, seventy three is the home run record." Like, that's the way I've always looked at it, regardless. To- thing it's good enough for him should be good enough for everybody else yeah he handled this whole thing incredibly gracefully yeah which could be very tough unlike roger Maris jr (laughs) yeah he's unfortunately been in the news a lot more than i think a lot of people would like over this thing (laughs) and you know it's not worth it to really stir the pot over this you can argue about the legitimacy of records done under peds until you're blue in the face and you know these players are always going to have that that tarnish on their record because of it but that doesn't mean that you cannot let aaron judge have his day in the sun and that is absolutely what he is is deserving of yeah absolutely and I just realized I misspoke earlier. He hit number 62 in Texas against the Rangers uh, off of former Rocky Jesus Tinoco. So uh, I misspoke earlier. He hit 61 in Toronto, 62 against Texas. We try to provide facts here, Evan, and the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, just yes or no question. Is Aaron Judge the American League MVP? I think so. It's it's so yeah. tough because I know where you're going with this with Shohei Otani. And I think if Aaron Judge hadn't broken this home rec- home run record, he still should be or should have been in consideration for it just because of how close he came to winning that triple crown. Now, I think regardless yeah. of who, who you award MVP to, um, they're going to be incredibly deserving of it, but mm-hmm. I'm, I say Aaron judge at this point, but you could persuade me either way. And I don't think it's worth, you know, getting all riled up over. I think either one of these two <laughs> players 
Aaron Judge or Shohei Otani, who we'll be talking about here in just a second, are incredibly deserving of that award should it come to it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it should be judges. Um, because Shohei Otani just needs an award, his own award. <laughs> they just name after him. Here, Here's this hardware, like, here you go. No, an MLB Achievement Award or something for just a phenomenal season, but it's unfair because <laughs> we can't give you the M- we can't give you the MVP every year, Shohei. You know, let somebody else have a turn. The Shohei Otani Award Otani. for yearly excellence at being Shohei Otani. Exactly, <laughs> because he had a phenomenal year too. First player since 1890. Just the fourth player all time to finish top five in both home runs hit and strikeouts pitched. With he had 34 home runs and 219 strikeouts. Also, the first player in the World Series era to qualify for both hitter and pitching leaderboards. Like you can't stop him. Shohei Otani is just unreal. And think about. So the Angels extended him one final time to avoid arbitration with a $30 million contract. And think about when you look at it a certain way, what a steal that is because they are, es- that. they are essentially could- p- paying $15 million for one of the best hitters in the league and $15 million mm-hmm. for one of the best pitchers in the league. Exactly. Like there's <laughs> maybe that's to make him, give him some normal trade value this off season, because you know, he's going to be a hot commodity on the trade market. Teams are going to be calling the angels about him, but <laughs> no, he's worth like 60 million at least for both two pitchers combined into one. So. Yeah. And fantasy baseball, they have to split him into two players. Yeah. And you can only, have him hit or you can have him pitch. You can't have him do both in fantasy baseball. Unreal. So give Shohei Otani his own, give him his own award. I think that that's the solution here. Get rid of those MVP, the MVS, the most valuable Shohei. And then (laughs) there you go. Man, could you imagine if the Rockies got both Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani? Imagine it. I played through it on MLB The Show. Step one, get Aaron Judge. Step two, get Shohei Otani. Step three, become unstoppable. Exactly. Step three is to figure out how to clone them. And you just have an endless (laughs) farm of them. Or teach them like the Emperor Palpatine thing of creating clones that then he then puts his essence into. And it's them again. I don't think that's canon anymore. Uh, that's what happened in Rise of Skywalker. Was that a clone? Yeah. Man, I do not remember that read, movie very well. Then you got to read the the novelization of it too because they explain things way better. Yeah, Emperor Palpatine—they were basically just making clones, and he would put his essence into a new clone body. And yeah, but all, since they perfected it. The force all we really got in the movie in the beginning was somehow Emperor Palpatine returned. Yeah, no. He had like, to play well, he was Fortnite getting thr- to get more information. Yeah, that too. <laughs> no, it was like when he got thrown down the shaft, he's like, I'm going to put my mind into some body on Exegol. And then they just kept redoing that because the bodies would break down because they hadn't perfected it yet. I do not remember that at all. To be fair, I only saw Rise of Skywalker once, though. Eh, that's one too many times. <laughs> Anyways, uh, speaking of old guys that just somehow found new life, uh, how about that for a segue? Albert Pujols <laughs> ending the season, becoming was it the fourth player in baseball history to reach 700 home runs. He's also second all time on the RBI list in his final season. With a phenomenal second half, Albert Pujols finally reaching 700 home runs. And then he's hit a couple more after that in his final season in the big leagues. Uh, This is a pretty exciting thing and almost feels unbelievable that he was able to actually reach this milestone. Yeah, it was it was looking kind of like he might not make it. And, you know, that 
that would have been a real real bummer if he hadn't but he just found such life in the in the second half of the season especially and this year with the cardinals where he 22 years and and that's the the same longevity as a lot of the other guys here in this top 10 so number one is barry bonds 22 years uh in his career hank aaron 23 babe ruth 22 pools 22 a rod 22 willie mays 23 Ken Griffey Jr. 22, but that he is he has climbed up that leaderboard and has 703 home runs. And I just think about if we had had a full season in 2020 where we hadn't been shortened on COVID and he had, you know, another 62 games to try and hit home runs, he could have passed Babe Ruth. And that is that is astonishing to me that because a lot of those top marks feel unreachable, but Albert Pujols reached it. And now he's also got that second most for RBIs above Babe Ruth. Really just what an absolutely incredible career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just cool to think is how old he is. And according to some rumors that he may be even older than he actually is. But for him to reach that milestone, then it's just weird to think, you know, think of those record books. Uh, yeah, Barry Bonds has the top, but then Babe Ruth is up there, Hank Aaron, and then there's Albert Pujols, who, you know, is, no, our generation came up in like 2000, 2001, whatever, that's when he began his career. And so to have that version in our lifetime is really kind of cool to think about. But it, him being on that second all-time in RBIs is that one's really amazing to me. Yeah, he is. He is the machine for a reason, and I think he's going to be a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, definitely. So, or you know, there'll always be a couple guys that hold out, but it doesn't really matter. He's going to get in the he's getting in the Hall of Fame on his first ballot. Definitely. And it's whether he's unanimous or not. Yeah. And it's, it's a shame that he had some of those down years um, with the angels towards the end of his career, because so many people, a lot of the younger people associate him with being, you know, with the angels, but you think about Mm -hmm. how his career started and now ended with the Cardinals and just what an incredible player he's been for, for the duration of it even. And I am, you know, it's been an honor to be able to watch this guy play because he started playing. He broke into the league when I was 10 years old in, in in what, 2001. And Mm -hmm. now he's, he's retiring and I got to witness his entire career. Mm -hmm. Looking here at his home run totals. uh, He has never, was it looks like he only has one season where he hit, didn't hit double-digit home runs, and that was 2020? Uh, I think, oh, no, you're right, because I totally forgot that he moved over to the Dodgers at the end of 2021. So he mm-hmm. finished that year with 17 home runs. He also is uh, finished in the top three with Barry Bonds and Hank Aaron for most 20 or more home run seasons in a career. just insane uh but he has a career batting average of 296 get good albert i mean <laughs> come on what do you mean you didn't get to 300 sure you have yeah. 3000 hits and 700 home runs and three mvp awards and a ton of all-star appearances 11 time all-star two-time world series champ six silver sluggers two gold gloves he won a batting title. He was the rookie of the year. He was a championship series MVP. That's Albert Pujols. That's the machine. There's mm-hmm. an interesting one, too. Never hit over 50 home runs. Never hit 50 home runs in a season. Which is crazy because, like, so many of these other players, I think Hank Aaron was very similar, though, where he never hit over 50 home runs in a season. 
but it was mm-hmm. just he was consistently hitting those do- double digit home runs every single year. Mm-hmm. Like the highest he had is 49 and stuff. So you think of like during that era of baseball and with him and the teams he was on in that era, it's just cool to see see that stuff. So uh congrats to Albert Pujols and now, now he gets the opportunity to finish out his career in the postseason with the Cardinals. Oh, they're in the wild card round right now, going up against the Phillies. But what a way for him to end his career, also with Yadier Molina and potentially Adam Wainwright. Three of them all on the team where it really you know, started for them. And what what so, a what a moment that was when uh, Oli um, Oli Marmol, the manager of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals pulled all three of them off the field together in the final home game of the season so that they could all three of them get their standing ovation at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think with a lot of these players and a lot of some of these moments, they handled a lot of these things really well um, and whatnot. But moving on here, a couple last things. So moving on from Pujols, we can gush on this one. The Seattle Mariners, we mentioned earlier, the Mariners end the longest playoff drought in professional sports with finally getting into the postseason. The last time you were 10 years old, I was five years old in kindergarten. The last time the Mariners made the postseason. That's how long it's been. I'm 26 now. Albert Pujols was a rookie. Yeah, that is absolutely absurd. (laughs) The longest playoff drought in professional sports at 21 years, and they did it in style with a Cal Raleigh big dumper walk-off home run. Mm -hmm. And and good for the Mariners, and that's what we've talked about. Former Rockies, they're led by a former Rocky, Jerry DePoto, now up there in the front office. They've got Scott... uh, their manager, Scott Zervais, also a former Rocky. He didn't play with us that much, but still former Rocky. Tom Murphy, who's been injured all year, but he's with those Mariners. And that's a team that the Rockies could learn a lot from because you look at where the Mariners started like back in 2015 when Jerry DePoto was hired as the general manager. And then their slow rise over these past you know, five years or so to where they are now, where they were constantly be competing get close to a wild card spot or in the division just fall short uh, last year they were within you know the last day of the season they were that close and finally they get it here in 2022 clinching a wild card spot and they'll take on the toronto blue jays but i don't know about you i think that's the team i'm rooting for in the postseason if they can last through this wild card series Hundred percent. I'm all aboard the Mariners train. So the Mariners are my second team uh, in general. I was, you know, wearing my Ichiro jersey and a Mariners hat when I was watching the 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 game where they finally clinched it. Uh, I watched that whole whole celebration afterwards. Scott Cervais, incredibly charismatic with his speeches after the game, and it's been. The big thing that I admire about the Mariners here is that they ran through a rebuild starting in 2018, basically, with Jerry DePoto running the show with transparency and openness. And that is that is the model that any team that is rebuilding should follow. Mm-hmm. And, and you look at how he's built this team where... There's a lot of great homegrown talent or prospects that they traded for. And they brought in some solid veterans and they brought in established big leaguers, especially with their rotation. No, they've got a mix of kind of everything. And the Mariners aren't breaking the bank. No, they're not putting up the probably the, the biggest payroll in baseball, but they've put together a very solid team that, you know, for what they're doing in their parameters and everything they've done is a very good team. And even if, even if they don't make it past the first round of the wild card, which 
you never know. They have a season and an accomplishment that they can be incredibly proud of. And it really, I think, is only going to be going up from here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's if there's any team that the Rockies should try to emulate, it's not trying to do what the you know, Tampa Bay Rays do. It's more so look at what the Seattle Mariners are doing uh, and, and learn from that. See what they're doing. Jerry Depoto is very big on analytics and stuff and their role in helping a team. And he implements that. You know, and he's the president of baseball operations now, moving up after being the GM for several years. He's got moved up to president of baseball operations that he's been for, I think, these past year or so. So he he's, understands kind of the ins and outs of what it means to build a team. A team that competes, that's also not going to you know, bust your wallet or anything. Because he goes out, he gets Robbie Ray, signs him up. They trade for Luis Castillo, lock him up for several years. Uh, he understands good players make teams better. And then you can support them with your rookies and your, you know, your, your homegrown guys or guys that you go trade for that know are good but aren't quite the superstar level yet yeah and the seattle mariners finished uh had a lower payroll than the rockies by about 30 million dollars this year hmm. so it and, and you think about, if you're smart you don't have to break the bank exactly no and you look at the things that they did they, they've already locked up who Julio Rodriguez. So they notified their superstar. They're like, okay, we're going to lock this kid up. And you think about the moves that they made in the offseason. They brought in Eugenio Suarez. They brought in Jess Winker. They you know they signed up Robbie Ray. Those are three big, big names. Those are taking up most of your payroll or could be. And then you go around and bring in these other pieces. Oh, the deadline. What do we need? Oh, we're going to go get Luis Castillo. And we're going to get another ace for our rotation. We're going to bring in Carlos Santana because he's a veteran who's played in the who's been in the playoffs. He's going to provide a boost for our team. So it's it's just nice to see the Mariners finally make it, and hopefully they can go all the way. Definitely. But also shout out to the Phillies. They also broke a decade long playoff drought, and so I think kind of the playoff drought length record in baseball right now goes back to the Los Angeles Angels or something like that. I think it's either the Angels or the Royals. For them. Yeah, I think it might be the Angels. Either way, at least it's not the Rockies yet. Yet. <laughs> yet. Anywho, that's going to do it here for this edition of Affected by Altitude. As always, thank you so much for joining along with us. And sticking with Evan and I as we kind of bust through these things in the two-man squad. It's always fun when there's just kind of two guys who can have a conversation, go off the rails a little bit more. Uh, but Evan, where can the folks find you? So you can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang27. I would love to hear from you. You can also see my Thursday rock piles over on Purple Row at www.purplerow.com. It's where all of our other really fantastic writers are putting up good content for you. We just kicked off our 2022 Ranking the Rockies feature. It's where we go by and do a review of each player in order of ascending wins above replacement via baseball reference. Uh, so as of recording right now, we've got one and two up, which is uh, Jolice Chassin and Garrett Hampson. And we'll keep ticking up until we reach the best player on the Rockies this season. And you can no also spoilers. find you can also find us at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter account, which is at Altitude Effect. And Skylar, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me eagerly watching videos about the Mario Brothers movie. Um <laughs> But when I'm not doing that, you can find me on Twitter at, at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, you can also find me doing, for now, my Sunday rock piles. And then I think I will be moving to Wednesday rock piles here very soon. Uh, swapping days. But as always, again, like you said, purplerow.com. Plenty of articles. Every view counts. If you see something you like, give it a read. Share it on social media. Share it with your friends. Every click counts. and 
it helps us out a lot so we can keep doing this stuff because it's a lot of fun and we can suffer through this off season together <laughs> uh, hopefully the rockies do something you can also find me trying to will aaron judge the rockies into existence please but anyways <laughs> that's gonna do it here for this week uh join us next time uh next week hopefully we'll get mac here and we'll do players of the month and all kinds of other stuff let us know what you want to hear from us in the off season but until next time hit him with it evan farewell farewell nice Let's go <laughs> it's mario <laughs> <laughs>